to ask you to turn with me again to the book of Mark. We are in Mark chapter 6. And um, I must confess, it, it, it almost feels to me like, you know, we, we, we should have been further along. But I don't know, there's just so much. I just said to John, you know, that at the risk of repeating myself, I just love the Word of God and the way that it's still relevant. It's still life-giving and it still encourages us and ministers to us. So to be honest with you, uh, you know, every time I think, okay, this chapter, we've dealt with this chapter, I want to step into the new one, it's as if the Spirit of God just told me, no, 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 wait a minute, just listen to this, and I lose myself again in, in another portion of the passage. So I want you to turn with me to Luke, uh, uh, Mark, uh, chapter 6, and we're going to read from verse 45. Mark chapter 6, from verse 45. Now, it's interesting that just a few verses ago, we read about Jesus calming the storm, the disciples being in a storm on the Sea of Galilee, and uh, that Jesus addressed that storm and quieted the storm down. Here, we find this account again with Jesus, the disciples, and the boat and the storm again. So read with me from verse 45. I'm reading from the NIV. It says this, immediately... Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida, where he dismissed the crowd, while he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up on the mountainside to pray. Now, later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and he was alone on land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Shortly before dawn, he went out to them, walking on the lake. He was about to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out because they all saw him and they were terrified. Immediately he spoke to them and said, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them and the wind died down. They were completely amazed for they had not understood about the loaves, because their hearts were hardened. Just so far. Father, we pray that you would reveal your word to us. We pray, Lord, that as Scripture says, your word would do exactly as you sent it to do. Holy Spirit, we want to open our hearts and our understanding. We pray that you would reveal in us what you want to share with us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now, here we find an account where after ministry, after feeding the 5,000, after Jesus ministering to such an extent, praying and ministering to those around him, Jesus actually immediately made his disciples get in the boat. So first thing I want you to see is that the disciples were not the ones that wanted to get in the boat. I want to read it to you. It literally says in verse 45, Jesus made his disciples get in the boat. Now that's the English translation. The original text there is a forceful text. You get the idea that in the original text, Jesus actually struggled getting his disciples to the boat. They almost wanted to stay and, and share in what was going on. I mean, this is a wonderful time of ministry. We know now that now their stomachs were full, yes? Yes. Now their stomachs were full. Things were happening. It was a godly opportunity to minister further. And Jesus said to them, get in the boat. In the book of John, we get the same account. 
There was such an, a time of ministry, such a godly, divine, uh, uh, um, I almost want to say an anointing on that ministry that Jesus was doing there, that it says that the people wanted to make him king there and there. So you find lots of other times where they're asking him to go away, where, they, where, they, where they're trying to trick him. Here, they wanted to say, listen, you, you, you should be king. And what is Jesus' response? Jesus said, no, 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 wait a minute. You guys get in the boat. I said, get in the boat now. And they got in the boat and he sent them away. Now listen to this. While, while they were getting into the boat, I said to you in John 6, verse 14 and 15, people intended to make him king, but he withdrew from them. Now listen to this. He made them get in the boat. They were reluctant. And keep in mind that it was not their idea. So Jesus instructed them. So if I ask you a very simple question, were they obedient to Jesus when they got in the boat? It's very important. I know it's a simple answer, but it's very important for, the, for our sermon forward. If Jesus says, get in the boat and you do, what are you doing? You're just, you're just obeying. You're just doing what Jesus said. Jesus said, get in the boat. I'm getting in the boat. Jesus says, go across the lake. I'm going across the lake. So it's an act of obedience. Especially when you know specifically that it's Jesus saying it. He forced his disciples into the boat. And then he withdrew. And what did he do? Verse 46. And you put it up for us. He went up on the mountainside to pray. They're on the boat doing exactly what Jesus said that they should do. They're in this act, this time of just Blind obedience, and Jesus withdrew on the mountainside to pray. Now, let me just share this with you. Over and over again, we read that when there were difficult times, even wonderful times, glorious moments in the life of Christ's ministry, you will find him either in the garden, you'll find him separating himself from others, You'll find him here climbing on the mountain because they want to make him king. He wanted to get away. You guys get away. You go on the Sea of Galilee. You go to that side. Jesus climbing on the mountain, withdrawing from the multitudes and doing what? And praying. See, the thing is, we've got to get this. If Jesus, the Son of God, let's just make a general a little bit. If he found himself every now and again, he found it, necessary for him to separate himself, get on his knees and pray. If it's important to him and for him, do you think it would be important for us? There's an account of, um, of a famous Old Testament scholar, George Adam Smith. He was climbing, this mountain's name is the, the Weisshorn above the Zermatt Valley in Switzerland. Something I read. He was climbing this mountain, actually a very tough summit for him. And his guide with him 
were climbing, supporting him, helping him. And when they scaled the last little bit of the summit, George Adam Smith went ahead with his guide in support and he climbed on this summit standing right at the top. And when he got up, the wind almost blew him off. And according to his account, telling the story, his guide shouted to him, on your knees, sir. On your knees. You're only safe there on your knees. On the summit, you cannot rise. You've got to be on your knees or the wind will blow you off. Now, if we listen to that, that's almost the idea we get that every now and again where things were so tough, we find Jesus on his knees. Jesus praying. So very often when we struggle, when we face difficulty, and even in victorious moments, the, the challenge are so strong that we've got to understand that the winds and the storms might just blow you off wherever you find yourself. So on your knees, sir. On your knees. In some moments, you're only safe on your knees. You see, if Jesus did this, if Jesus in this moment, that's important that you get this, his disciples on the lake, Jesus not with them, but Jesus on his knees. Just, just follow the picture with me. There's the boat on the Sea of Galilee. A storm coming up, the wind coming against them, and Jesus praying. Though Christ was one with the Father, he lived in constant prayer times of crisis and in times of challenge, in times of victory even, he lived in constant prayer. But here's where I want, to just, want us to spend a bit of time. What do you think Jesus prayed? Mark does not give the account. Mark does not say what Jesus prayed. Why? Because Jesus was there alone. Maybe he prayed about everything was just ministering to them and for them to understand that he is the bread of life. It's not just about the bread that he multiplied. Maybe he prayed about everything that was ahead for him. We don't know. But one thing the scripture points to, just after this, and I'll show you, is that Jesus' thoughts, his mind went to his disciples. So I think we would be safe in saying whatever else he prayed for, he also prayed for his disciples. He also prayed for his people on the Sea of Galilee, rowing, trying to get to the other side. We can assume that no matter what else he prayed for, he was praying for them as well. Why is this so important? See, as Jesus was on the mountain alone, praying, where was the disciples? The disciples were on the lake rowing. And it says the wind came against them and pushed them to the middle, to the middle of the lake. They were in trouble. They were starting to get that if you listen to Jesus, you won't just always have clear, calm seas. Yes. 
I asked you. Did they just do what Jesus said? Yes. Did he say, listen, I'm going to send you into a storm? No. He just said go, and they went. So while Jesus was praying, they were in trouble. But I want you to see this. Think of this. Here in the grandest scope of things, the disciples are facing issues again in a storm. This time because Jesus sent them, and now they're in the storm, but he's on the mountain praying. On the mountain praying for whatever he's experiencing, but on the mountain also praying for them. We forget this. You see, there's a scripture in 1 Timothy 2 verse 5 that says, For there is one God, one mediator between God and man, Jesus Christ. There's one that mediates for you and me. There's one that intervenes for you and me. There's one that prays on the mountain while the disciples, this, this, this early little church, is struggling on the lake. He's praying for them. They might not know it. They're just struggling but he's praying for them. In Luke, verse 20, uh, Luke chapter 22, verse 31 and 32, it says this, Simon, Simon, Jesus talking to Peter, he says, Satan asked to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. Jesus saying to Peter, Peter, the enemy will come against you and he's asked to sift you like wheat, but I want you to know I'm praying for you. John chapter 17 Verse 15, Jesus saying, Father, I pray for those that you've given me. I don't pray that you take them out of this world, but I pray that you would protect them against the evil one. Can you imagine you in your boat? Can you imagine the disciples there in the midst of the storm having the Son of God speaking to the Father on their behalf? Praying. Man. It says a lot for you and me today. I'll get there. You see, because today, Jesus is not on the mountain praying for you and me on the lake. Today, Jesus has risen higher than even the mountain. Scripture says he's seated at the right hand of God the Father, intervening for you and me. And I can tell you this, we identify so easy with the disciples in the boat. I want to dare you, I actually did this. The disciples in the boat or in the storm, Google that and say images. See how many artists right throughout history paints the church as the image of the disciples in the boat trying to make it with the wind against them, the waves against them. There's so many images of this that depicts the early church, the disciples, being in a boat, almost not knowing what to do. But Jesus praying for them. Let me share this with you. I want you to have this image and get this image in your heart. No matter what the storm is like, no matter it says, and they were struggling. The wind, the sails were down. They were, they, they were struggling on the oars, trying to go forward, but the wind was pushing them back. But Jesus was praying. I want you to remember this. At present, Jesus is in the heights of all heights. He is in heaven praying for you and for me. Still praying for his disciples, his people, his church. Listen to this. This is your present reality. 
I'm going to say it again. So I don't want you to, to just let this pass you by. This image is your present reality. Jesus has never stopped interceding, intervening for you and for me. If we were to give the disciples advice, we would say, don't be worried. Jesus can walk on water because we've got 2020 vision or 2023 vision. He said, don't worry, he's gonna come now. They didn't know that. Don't worry, you won't, you won't die. He's gonna be with you. He can walk on water. They didn't know that. They didn't understand yet. But Jesus prayed for them. Your present reality, my present reality, is that even though you face what you face, even though you struggle and the sails are down, nothing is coming easy. You are rowing, but you're not getting anywhere. Christ is interceding for you. Listen to this, verse 47 and 48 says this, when evening came, the boat was in the middle of the lake and he was alone on land. He saw his disciples straining at the oars. Let me ask you, I know you guys don't have, but just, just maybe everything is easy for you, I don't know. But just maybe, like me, you can say, sometimes it feels like I'm straining at the oars. Sometimes it feels like this boat's not going anywhere. See, John was specific about this. They were about three to four miles out. The sails were down. They were rowing. They were in miserable trouble. Why? Because they obeyed Jesus. Come on, you've got to follow with me. No, Piet, if you serve the Lord, everything is going to be wonderful. If there's a storm on your ocean, you don't have enough faith. You're doing something wrong if you're in the storm, Piet. Not according to Mark 6. Some of you say, you've got to stop there. I don't like this theology. If Jesus sends you on the lake, don't think there's no storm to face. Sometimes we don't want to listen because we don't know if there's going to be a storm or not. Oh, Peter, are you saying if we follow the Lord, there will be some storms? That's exactly what I'm saying. There'll be some storms. There will be some challenges, but there will also be a savior, a mediator, Standing in, giving direction. What a lesson for the church. Church, hear me say this from the pulpit. Being a Christian is not always fair weather. It is wrong to think that every storm you face is because of your lack of faith, or because you need to be deeper spiritually, then we've got to have a deep conversation with Paul at least. Hello? Peter. John. Now maybe it was their faith. I don't know. 
If you do what Jesus says, you might just find yourself in a storm. It was their obedience that made them uncomfortable. Come on, let's talk. Do you think it was comfortable straining at the oars? Oh, how wonderful. It's so glorious that this wind is against us. You know what, John? We are learning, hey. What a wonderful spiritual lesson. Obedience will very often bring some storms along with it. See, if you, if you think, you, then, then, then I'm not going to obey. <laughs> you might skip some storms, but you will always mi- also miss the Savior walking on the water. Hello? You also miss the opportunity to see the divine changing everything that is natural and limited and unlimited. Break it open and show you what he can do. See, it's so beautiful to see God's children struggling in their obedience and even feeling that they make no progress, but also knowing that the Savior can change everything. See, because in verse 48, it says this. Mark says that Jesus saw his disciples straining at the oars. It doesn't say they were straining at the oars. It says he saw they were straining at the oars. Say, Peter, aren't you making too much about this? Let me ask you, how many times have you felt that Jesus doesn't know what you're going through? How many times have you felt alone in your, in your storm, rowing? You know, I'm struggling. But Jesus saw, let let me ask you, in the natural, they were about four miles out. How would Jesus see them? I don't know. This is just how I read the Bible. I'm going, what what John says in, in chapter six is very clear, three to four miles out. Mark says, driven to the middle of the lake. How did Jesus see them? Let me share with you, no matter how far you are, or far you think you are, Jesus, his mind, his thoughts, he's with you. He sees you. He knows what you're struggling with. Our human tendency is in difficulty. We imagine God's face either without eyes or we imagine it with him looking the other way. Not true. When you're in your storm, Jesus might be praying, but know this. He sees you straining at the oars. Now here's another piece of truth. So immediately he went. Is that what it says? No, it says in verse 48, the second portion, it says, Mark tells us that, that, that actually at the fourth, about the fourth watch of the night, he went out to them walking on the lake and that he was about to pass them by. When, when was he walking on the lake? Just between you and I, it was between 3 and 4 a.m. When did he feed the 5,000? At the end of the previous day. When do you think he put them on the lake? The beginning of the night. Right? 
So how long do you think they were straining at the oars? I told you, some of this theology we won't like. Jesus comes immediately. No, Jesus waits until the fourth watch. <laughs> They're straining at the oars. They're struggling. Jesus came in the darkest part of the night, just before morning broke. Don't know about you, but this is sometimes, it's very often my experience. That Jesus intervenes, addresses, and restores the moment my strength is just about depleted. Do you know how often I find myself straining so at the oars of my boat and I just tell myself, just keep rowing. Don't worry, Pete, you're going to get out of this. You're going to make it. And then there comes the point where I say, I hope I make it. And while I'm straining at the oars and everybody else is also now straining at the oars, then I think, God, I hope we make it. And then there comes a point where you think, I don't think we're going to make it. Our strength is just about done. Now here's the bit that got me. What made them strain? What gave them trouble? The wind and the waves. Yes? They were depleted. They were struggling so much that they were worrying again. Second storm, they were worrying. But the very thing that made them struggle, the waves, the very thing that made them struggle became Jesus' football. They were battling to survive because of the waves. Jesus used the waves to get to them. The thing that you feel is almost killing you might just be the very thing he walked on to get to you. And, and remember, they thought they were in trouble. I get the sense that Jesus never thought they were in trouble. Come on, just, did you read it with me? It says, and he was about to pass them by. Honestly, I, I, I really... I really dug into this passage. I still cannot, I'm still struggling with that part. Oh, I saw them straining at the oar. So what are you doing? I'm just walking past them. <laughs> you don't get, this is what Mark says. Peter gives him this account that Jesus was just walking by them. And they were afraid. They thought it was a ghost. And immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, take courage, it is I. The phrase used in the Greek and the Aramaic there are the words, I am. Jesus walking on the water and they straining at the oars and Jesus saying, don't be afraid. Have you heard this before? Maybe Mark 4, 5, 6, yeah. Don't be afraid, just believe. Don't be afraid, just believe. Don't be afraid. So they were straining at the oars, they were struggling and Jesus going past, walking and, and they being afraid and, and Jesus saying, take courage, I am. If there's one thing I wanna leave you with this morning is no matter what the storm is like, 
no matter how much you are struggling to move even an inch, this will never change. Jesus is still saying today, I am. Don't worry. Not because you're not in the boat. Not because there's no storm. Don't worry because I am who I said I am. I'm the Alpha and the Omega. I'm the beginning and the end. I'm the one that walks on the water. I'm the one that calms the storm. I'm the one that sets the demonized man free. I'm the one that fed 5,000 yesterday. I am. They didn't get it yet. I am. Nothing is too difficult for me. Though they saw all of this, they saw the 5,000, they saw the storm being calmed previously by him, they saw all of that, but they still struggled to know exactly the extent of who he was. And Jesus reminding them, don't be afraid, take courage. I am, this is me. See, in John, we get in this account, and now we're dealing with their response as we draw to a close. This is what Jesus did with them. Here's what happened to them. Number one, they were afraid. It's a ghost. Jesus saying, no, 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 I am. It's me. And while they experienced this, they were afraid still. John says, and Peter said, uh, Lord, if it's you, let me walk on the water. So sometimes in our response to seeing what Jesus can do, we might just walk a step or two on the water. Have a go read the account in John. We see that he walked a little, took his eyes off Jesus, then started drowning. Jesus raised him up and again addressed what? His faith. Why were you looking around, Peter? Why? Just believe. Look at me. He walked on the water a little bit. But in both accounts, in Mark and John and in Matthew, it says, and Jesus got into the boat. It's so beautiful for me in Matthew chapter 14, it says this, and when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshiped him saying, truly, you are the son of God. They addressed him with his proper title. They worshiped him. This is what happens when you come to the end of your strength and you find that there's one that walks on the water. The very thing that almost killed you is the very thing that brought him to you, reminding you that he's praying for you, reminding you that when you need it, he will be there. He will be there. He is who he says he is. Reminding you that that will never change. Fellow brothers and sisters, I want to leave you with this for us. If they reacted in this way, if the disciples reacted in this way, if this account is given to us, I want to remind you this morning, take courage. Take courage. Peter, I feel I'm doing what God has given me to do, but, but it feels like I'm not going anywhere. You're in good company. John, James. Peter, all of them experiencing the same thing. We did what he said we should do. Look at where we are. But Jesus is saying, listen, don't worry, it is me. Here I am. Getting in the boat, the storm's dying down. I want to remind you, take courage. Jesus is praying for you today. Jesus is seeing your struggle today. Some of you that here this morning that have lost that um, assurance, You've forgotten that Jesus sees what you're going through. 
It's not intentional. It's not that you went, okay, no, he's not looking. But you just forgot that he's praying for you. He's interceding for you while you're struggling. There's some of us that place the limitations of ourselves on him. Peter, I'm struggling at the oars. We're not, we're, not, we're not going forward. The wind is against us. But I don't know if he can do anything because we're in the middle of the lake. Hey, the fact that you can't walk on the lake does not mean that he cannot. Amen. He prays for us. He's there for us. He walks on the water to get to us. You see, Jesus is actually calling each and every one of us. Number one, to do what he says. Lord, I, I don't know what's ahead. You don't have to worry. If I say get in the boat, get in the boat. Just follow. Lord, will you be with us? Yeah, I'm with you. Praying for you, interceding for you. Will you sustain us? Will you help us? Yes, he will. I pray that today, for you and me, we will with eyes wide open, Ask him again, Lord, what are, you, what are you directing me to do? What are you saying to me today? What have you said that I am too afraid to follow? Might not be you. Let me, let me just share from my own experience. What, what, if, what has he said to you that you are just terrified? To do or to follow. How many times have he, has he given you the instruction to speak, but you're silent? How many times have he said, move, leave this, take that on? But we are scared there might be a storm. I want to encourage you. The storms might be there. No, I actually want to be very truthful. The, sto- the storms will be there. Hello? The storms will be there. There's almost nothing that Jesus said that's easy. It sounds so beautiful. Come to me all that are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. It's beautiful. But then he says, take up your cross and follow me. Jesus says, he that wants to follow me must lay down his life. Take up his cross and follow me. But he's making you this promise. You will never be alone. Would you with me this morning just see him, not on a mountain, but in the heavenly saying to you and I, I see you. I see you. I know about your struggle. Don't worry. I've got you. Deceiving for you. I'm ready to sustain you, to help you. I want to encourage you lastly with this. If you feel that he should have come already, I think there's a lot of us here this morning and maybe all of us that can testify to the fact that more often than not, our God is mighty slow, but he's never late. Hello? My timing 
And my, adv my advice for Jesus in terms of timing would be very different. Lord, would you please, the moment I struggle, just come help? The moment you see the storm come up, will you just come help? Isn't it interesting when our kids struggle with something and somebody wants to jump in? We go, no, no, no. Just leave her. She's going to get it now. Watch, watch. She's going to get it. Oh, but, but, but she's trying to crawl. Yes, let her try. Yeah, but she's trying to walk. I just want to help. No, no. Let her, let her try. Let him try. Let him go a bit further. Let him struggle a bit more. How many of you have held the seat of a bicycle with your kids? Eyes forward shouting, Daddy, just please don't let go. And you and over and over say, I promise I won't, I won't, I won't, I won't. Look, you're doing it yourself. Hello? It's so important that we realize that in everything, in obeying Him, He works it for our good. Row. Lord, I'm tired. Keep rowing. I'm struggling. Did I say get in the boat? Yes. So keep rowing. I've got you. The inevitable storms will come. But let, let's commit ourselves to not only be obedient, but also know that He will never leave you. Always intercede for you. And He will, if needed, miraculously come to your aid. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that in this morning, as we gaze upon the disciples there on the Lake of Galilee, Lord, I, I thank you that in this morning, Lord, as we find ourselves perceiving our own rowing experience, our own struggle with the storms and the winds against us, Thank you that this morning we are reminded, Lord, that even within the center of your obedience, the winds will not always be fair. I thank you that we are reminded that even though the winds and the waves would often be against us, our Savior is interceding for us, standing in as our mediator, thank you Lord that we know in this morning the very thing that might be threatening our lives is not too much for you that you are able to walk on the water to bring calm to the storm I want to pray this morning with my brothers and sisters Lord we want to even as we are sometimes so overwhelmed with who you are and what you do we want to say Lord come come into the boat Come bring rest within us. Rest in our soul. Come remind us again of who you truly are. Come remind us again, Lord, this morning that you truly are the great I am. The great promise keeper. The one who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above anything and everything we can think or imagine. We thank you, Lord. Amen.